Welcome to episode 18 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, we'll talk about combining backpacking with trail service. Next, the top five ways to blow your backpacking budget. On the Summit Gear Review, we'll show you how to protect dry stuff from wet stuff. Then for the Backpack Hack of the Week, we'll show you an easy way to keep grit on the trail and out of your shoes. And we'll wrap up the show with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, Ralph. All this and that's about it. Today on the first 40 miles. Well, before we get into our show today, we wanted to play a little game with our audience and find out if you can name all of the states on the Appalachian Trail. And we'll give you a little clue. There are 14 states on the Appalachian Trail. All right. Answer at the end of the episode. A couple weeks ago, we took a hypothetical trip to Arizona. Yeah, and uh, your destination was going to be Colossal Cave Mountain Park. That's right. I was going to take the Gabe Zimmerman Trail for a few miles and end up at this amazing park that has caves where you can actually go in and explore. I think it's about $13 to get in and get a guided tour of the whole cave system. Cool. Did you find something new about it? I was looking through a brochure that I got from the American Hiking Society. The brochure talks about all the different volunteer trips that they put together across the United States. So this one happens to be in the Colossal Cave Mountain Park, and it's from November 1st through November 7th of 2015. And you help rebuild parts of the trail. There are lots of different um, activities that they have. But on this particular one, you're going to help rebuild a portion of the trail. You're going to be repairing damage from erosion, building rock dams. And they say you'll be trimming back the ever-encroaching desert plants. So I don't know if that means like the saguaros are taking over. It sounds kind of ominous. but I know what ever-encroaching plants are like here in the Pacific Northwest. In a matter of just a few weeks, a trail can become completely grown over from fresh growth. But I wonder (laughs) in Arizona just how quickly those desert plants encroach. But at, at any rate, I guess they need to be cleared once in a while. Yeah, so you'll be working alongside professional trail builders, basically shovel in hand, just doing what they say and having a great experience with other volunteers on the trail. Yeah, so you can take your pick of, uh, you know, if you want to find a trip where it's going to involve some backpacking and you'll be staying in a backcountry camp or a trip where you'll be staying at a car accessible campsite as kind of your base camp or a trip where they actually have a lodge or, or, you know, some kind of facilities for you to stay in. And then based on the type of trip you find, you know what kind of gear you'll need to bring. And and they outline all those uh, requirements in in their pamphlet. It sounds really cool. In fact, for me personally, it really just kind of sounds like a grown-up version of my wonderful childhood. I grew up on five acres of woods in Washington State. All my time that I wasn't at school, I was somewhere on those five acres and I was building trails building campsites. I just loved that work. It was just so fulfilling for me. And so this is like an opportunity to 
do that all over again as an adult. I mean, it really sounds exciting. Well, they have trips available all over the United States, including the Virgin Islands. So, I mean, really, pick a yeah, state. I, I saw that Virgin Islands trip. That sounds really cool. It's just a great way to turn a vacation into something different than just going and being entertained. On top of that, I think, you know, if for first 40 milers, someone who's kind of new to backpacking, uh, in their brochure, they explain that really people of all skill levels and experience are welcome. They'll provide the, the training. And so what this means for someone who's new to backpacking is that you can go on one of these trips and you're going to instantly have this new network of people who love backpacking. And probably a lot of them are people who are really experienced at it as well. And a few of them will be new, like yourself. I mean, it's just a, it seems like a great opportunity to find some people that share this newfound interest for backpacking. Well, if you're interested in finding out more about volunteer vacations through the American Hiking Society, you can check out AmericanHiking.org and find out more there. And we'll put that link in today's show notes, which is episode 18. So the first 40 milescom slash 018. Next on today's show, we have the top five ways to blow your backpacking budget. And hopefully we'll give you a few tips about how not to blow your backpacking budget as well. <laughs> you know, I think we're all on a budget. I don't know of anyone who just has free reign over the budget to spend as much as, much as they want on backpacking gear. And in some ways, that's kind of good because it forces you to really make some, some tough decisions on what your priorities are. That's right. We all have priorities, and it's important to recognize that. Sometimes maybe we wish that we had unlimited resources. But if we did, it really would, I think it would distract us and take us away from our priorities. Let's start with number one. The number one way to blow your backpacking budget is to replace all of your old gear with brand new equipment. There's a good chance that a lot of your gear, even if it's old gear, will still be usable and good. If you do have gear that's, say, several decades old, <laughs> then um, maybe it is time to start researching what improvements have been made and which improvements matter most to you. If you're used to sleeping out on a tarp and you're comfortable with that, then maybe buying a, a new tent isn't going to be on your list of, of things that you're going to be purchasing. But if you have an older sleeping bag that's got cotton fill and is a cotton bag and you were fine with it back when you were 15 years old, 16, you know, maybe it's time to upgrade that. Yeah, last summer I was getting ready for my first extended trip in a long, long time. And so I had lots of decisions to make about my gear. I mean, so much of it was just really old. And as I started researching gear, I realized just how far the technology had come in the last, you know, 20, 25 years since I had purchased that gear. And so definitely I wanted to upgrade, you know, all of my gear really to get the latest stuff or at least something fairly recent. But I, I had to kind of work through those priorities and, and figure out and really decide where my money would be best spent. So I ended up saying yes to a new pack. My old pack was an external frame pack, and we had actually gotten rid of it, so I was really without a pack. I said yes to certain pieces of clothing. I got a new Patagonia Puffy that uh, has been great. I took my fairly old fleece 
and it still performed fine for me. You know, some things I bought new and some things I kept from the gear that I had. I was having a hard time deciding whether to buy a new tent and decided that I would in fact uh, just see if I could borrow a one-man tent or share a tent with someone on the trip. Then a week before the trip, you decided to go and that changed things a bit and we went and bought a tent. <laughs> um, things that I said no to, uh, a stove. I have an old uh, Coleman stove and was really wondering about whether to upgrade that. In the end, I decided not to. And as it turns out, there were three other people in our group that all had jet boil stoves. And so you and I only had to pack some additional fuel canisters. We didn't even need to bring a stove between the two of us. So that ended up being a good decision. I kept my old sleeping bag because, it, yeah, it's old, but it wasn't cotton and it was warm enough. I also had an old uh, sleeping pad, but it was fine. So I kept that. I did buy new shoes because I really had not bought new hiking shoes for quite a long time and, and needed something good. It was all those trade-offs though. You know, what goes on the list to buy and what are the things where you can say, yeah, you know, what I've got, I'd like to replace it someday, but it'll work for this trip and, and I can take it. Yeah, I like how you brought up borrowing equipment because if you're not ready to buy something, then that's a good way to go. Yeah, and another thing people could check into is equipment rentals. I, I believe that places like REI have rental opportunities. So that's a great way to check out a piece of equipment that you may be considering buying. And first, you can give it a trial run and see how it works for you. The number two way to blow your backpacking budget is to buy new gear at the very beginning of backpacking season. When you do that, you're less likely to find those magical deals. And another downside to buying new gear at the very beginning of backpacking season is you'll have limited reviews online that you can kind of see what other people are saying about that gear. Kind of like buying a car and when it's brand new, nobody knows yet what the defects will be. Well, after a few years, you can get all kinds of data about the weaknesses of a particular model of car. And, you know, same thing with backpacking gear and also the strengths, of course. So as the reviews build up, you get more information and can make a more informed decision about that product that you're considering purchasing. The number three way to blow your backpacking budget is to believe that all new technology is better than current technology or even thousand-year-old technology like down on wool. Some of the new technology that's coming out is fascinating. One of the things that I saw recently was a jacket called New Down, N-U-D-O-W-N. And basically, you're, you're kind of inflating this jacket with air, and it's acting as an insulator that's supposed mm. to be better than down. Wow. So, I mean, there's stuff like that that's coming out that's just so interesting. But you know that buying that cutting-edge technology is going to cost you. I think it's better to try the wait-and-see approach to see if, if the technology is, is really performing and um, also to see if that new technology comes down in price. Yeah, the early adopters get the cool factor, but uh, they also pay the most. Yeah, so if you're trying to be careful with your backpacking budget, then maybe just try the wait-and-see approach with that new technology. The number four way to blow your backpacking budget is to buy beyond your skill level or activity type. I found something really cool online. It was the Easton SI2 Cuban, and it's designed to be the lightest, 
two-person mountaineering tent ever developed. I'm just going to read what their website says about it because it's pretty amazing. This single wall shelter features proven geometry, freestanding carbon fiber pole structure, and a Cuban fiber waterproof breathability canopy material with event. The SI2 Cuban is the pinnacle of advanced material design and performance for summit assaults or ultralight backpacking. Carbon ion pole system with shock cord. Ion is specifically engineered to deliver ultralight three-season performance, reducing weight without sacrificing strength. Wow, cool. So if you didn't understand 75% of that, then you don't need to be spending $2,000 on that. Yeah, that makes the $200 tent sound pretty good about now. I guess if you do understand something like that, the technology terms and what a summit assault is, things like that, then maybe this is the right tent for you. But for most of us, just doing casual backpacking, trying to keep it light, trying to keep it safe, then um, you can probably stick with the $2 or the <laughs> then you can probably stick with the $200 tent. Yeah, that tent definitely has a target market. It's just that a someone who's new to backpacking and is not doing, what did they say? Summit assaults. Summit assaults um, is not that target market. Are summit assaults even legal? You know what this reminds me of is SLR cameras. There are people who know all the ins and outs of their SLR camera, and they do amazing things with it. And then there are people who I think... They just bought an SLR camera because they think that if they possess the technology, then their pictures will be cool. They've never even switched it off of auto mode. They might not even know what an aperture is and what a shutter speed is, but they've got this cool SLR camera. And really, you know, the results they're getting from it are the same as if they had bought a point and shoot. Yeah, so it's not necessarily the expensive gear that makes you a better backpacker or gives you a better experience. Yeah, unless you're in a situation or have the skill level to utilize the features that that more expensive gear has. Exactly. The number five way to blow your backpacking budget is to buy beyond your typical outdoor needs. Now, if you know you're just going to be backpacking for those three magical months of summer, then investing in a 20-degree down bag isn't going to make a lot of sense. Really, if you just consider the needs that you have for the backpacking trips that you'll be taking, it could save you a lot of money. Yeah, so don't go overboard in, in your purchases. Well, we hope these tips help as you are replacing your old equipment and uh, shopping for new equipment. And speaking of gear, it's time for the Summit Gear Review. Awesome. We are going to be reviewing the Coglins Lightweight Dry Bag. It's 25 liters. You've probably seen the Coglins brand in stores. They typically have a big chunk of the camping section in big box stores. They're based out of Canada. Oh, didn't Canadian, know that. Canadian company. And uh, I actually talked to someone who works there, and they said that they've heard almost every pronunciation possible for their brand name. It's C-O-G-H. L-A-N-S, Coglins. So they're like, people ask us all the time, is it Coughlins? Is it Coglins? Is it? They've heard it all. <laughs> but it's Coglins. So just take the H out and that's how you pronounce it. 
And it, yeah, like you say, it's an easy brand to find. It's very affordable. It's usually in, in the, the big box stores. So this is a dry bag. A dry bag is just what it says. It's a bag that keeps things inside of it dry. So this is perfect for protecting your clothing or your sleeping bag. And this particular dry bag by Coglins is ripstop nylon. Inside it has waterproof taped seams. And then the top is actually a roll top closure. I don't know if you're familiar with how that works, but it's basically a stiff piece of plastic or fabric at the top and you roll the bag down. And as you're rolling the bag, you're kind of trying to push the air out at the same time. So one of the features on this bag is that it has fully taped sealed seams. Basically what that means is in the sewing process, the sewing machine is poking holes every time it goes into the fabric to sew that seam. And so you have all these little micro holes where water can seep in along that seam. So what they do on the inside is they tape it and that means that water won't be getting in, in those little micro holes. So this bag will keep everything dry and protected. However, they don't recommend it for um, submersion or for protecting electronics. It weighs 1.9 ounces or 55 grams and it's 10 inches by 20 inches. And this bag has a round bottom, so you'll be able to really get a lot of gear or a lot of clothing in there. They recommend just spot cleaning it with plain water, so don't toss it in the washer or dryer. And you're going to pay right around $10 for this. So it's a perfect little item for the budget-minded backpacker who's just getting gear or um, maybe to replace some old gear. In my trial of this Coglin's lightweight dry bag, it worked perfectly. Now there's a bit of a learning curve that goes along with using a dry bag. You'll want to stuff your clothing or your sleeping bag into the bag. And then to purge all of the air out, you're going to press the top edges of the bag together. And as you're rolling it, you're going to be pressing it, holding it between your arm, your forearm and your stomach, kind of pushing the air out and rolling the top. And then you fasten the buckle. If you pack bags like I do, it kind of ends up being a kind of a lumpy wad of stuff. But if you pack bags like Josh does, you're going to end up with a perfect cube <laughs> yes, that will of fit course. perfectly into your uh, backpack. You're right. I'm a stuffer. You're a folder. Okay. <laughs> so the cool thing about this bag is it's watertight and it's airtight. So once you push all that air out, you're going to end up with a really compressed, compact bag. Even though it's not a compression sack, it's still going to be uh, more compressed than just stuffing all your clothing into a, a ditty bag or a stuff sack. I want to talk for a second about just the idea of bags in general to organize your gear. A lot of packs these days don't have very many compartments in them. Uh, I love my Deuter pack. And when I look at it, it's really got a couple top pouches, one huge area that can be divided into two parts, and then a couple side pouches where I can stick water bottles. And that's about it. And so bags can be a really nice way to organize your gear within your pack. I, I really love just picking up a bunch of bags, um, even just, you know, at somewhere like Walmart, and you can get several bags in a package for a few dollars, pull those out and stuff different parts of your gear into those bags. So 
I have a bag that I put all my food in, uh, a bag for my clothing. If I'm bringing a stove, I've got a bag for that. And so I can compartmentalize my gear really easily. Then when I get to camp and open up my pack, instead of just having a whole bunch of stuff in there, I have my compartments that I created using bags. So I can pull out the bags and all of my gear is still safe within those bags. And then I can open up each bag to get the gear that I need for you know dinner or uh, getting uh, the tent ready or, or whatever it may be. We're reviewing today a dry bag, which is great for things that need to be protected from water, like your clothing. Along with the dry bag though, pick up a bunch of other bags that are not necessarily waterproof, but just allow you to compartmentalize things. It's really handy. Well, the Coglin's Lightweight Dry Bag is thin, it's lightweight, it's easy to use, and it's a great bargain. Well, let's move on to the backpack hack of the week. And I believe you got something related to gators today. So gators is one of those specialty things that maybe not a lot of people know about or even need to use on the trail, but gators protect your ankles and your calves, usually in snowy conditions, but also you can use ankle gators that are just kind of low. They just go around your ankles and they protect your shoes from getting gravel, dirt, scree in them when you're in uh, those types of areas. I don't have a pair of ankle gaiters, but I was trying to think of what's already in my pack that I could use if I come across an area where I know I'm going to be getting sand and gravelly stuff in my shoes. So duct tape, the magical tool that's in everyone's pack, works brilliantly for temporary ankle gaiters. So just take a one foot piece of duct tape and wrap it around that area on your shoe where your shoe meets your sock and you have a really simple way to keep sand, gravel, scree, crickets, whatever, ants, (laughs) stuff like that from getting into your shoe. Now this is just a temporary fix. It's not meant to be kept on for very long because you know what happens with duct tape. It leaves that sticky residue stuff. Um, So if you happen to have an extra plastic bag in your pack that you can sacrifice to the gator gods, Then you could wrap that around your ankle and wrap the duct tape around that, and you have some pretty styling ankle gaiters. So that's a a really simple hack. All you need is some some duct tape, and you're simply helping to kind of close off that gap at the top of your shoes so that less stuff gets in there. Oh, yeah, and if you want the upgraded version, you just need duct tape and a plastic bag. All right. Well, before we wrap up the show today, Remember at the beginning, we asked a quiz question. How many states are on the Appalachian Trail? I say it Appalachian. I say Appalachian. That's cool. I wonder what our listeners on the trail say. Yeah, I guess our East Coast listeners would be the the authorities on this question. Well, I've also heard Appalachian. I've heard that too. Makes sense uh, because the vowel is followed by two consonants, makes it a short vowel. Anyway, we gave a clue at the beginning of the show that there are 14 states on the AT. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, you know, today's St. Patrick's Day. So what better than an Irish jig to name the 14 Appalachian Trail states? 
Oh, I can't believe I'm doing this. Okay, <laughs> I have to tell you, as I was reading through this list, that Irish jig song came into my head, and I started singing the names of the states on the trail to this little Irish jig song. <laughs> Let's hear it. Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, Massachusetts, Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Maryland, both the Virginias and Tennessee, North Carolina, and Georgia are on the AT. Woohoo! All right. We'll leave you with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, Mr. Ralph Waldo Emerson. He said, "The creation of a thousand forests is in one acorn." That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you liked this podcast, like us on Facebook or review us on iTunes. We'll see you next time on the first forty miles. Episode 18 of the first 40 miles. <laughs> We're starting over. <laughs> All right. Um, that <laughs> derailed my train. <laughs> we love $2 tents. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if they can name all of the states on the Arizona. <gasps> Arizona. <laughs> You can name all the states on the Arizona Trail. Yeah, I think I can.